here we are. Let's talk about it. It's Tuesday. CJ here, and this is the Sound of Black and Brown. And if you tuned in yesterday, last afternoon, you would have heard Manny and I talking about, you know, a tale of two white men. The Democrat, uh, this conservative Democrat, rather, versus the Republican. Let me say that correctly. And we discussed, you know, how does that play out? How does that affect politics? How does that affect voting, right? How does it all play in? Well, tonight, we want to continue that conversation, right? As Black and brown people are sitting here trying to figure out how to afford their basic essential needs, pay their bills, you know, just live, right? You know, <laughs> as well as the rise of conservatism, and this Republican nature, right? You know, you would think that black and brown people will be better represented. You would think with everything that happened with COVID that we would be at the front line. We would be top, top, front row, but that's not what's happening, right? And it kind of seems like the term grassroots is the new woke white term. That's just my unpopular opinion. Right, because now all of a sudden everybody wants to be grassroots. Do they even know what the fuck that even means? Does it have any kind of meaning? I, I mean, in my opinion, why people do this, you know, they attempt to control the narrative and then they attempt they attempt to define it, like who falls into what category. So it has to go through their filter of pleasure, what pleases them, you know, why don't we get to define things and what happens when we do? Right, and I, I need to let you all know, white is not the new black, okay? Your melanin means a lot and don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. What we need to remember is how strong we are in our skin. We are strong people. We are stronger than you know. we give ourselves credit for. We are stronger than we are allowed to recognize. I wanna read for you um, African Slavery in America by Thomas Paine. 1775. Thomas Paine was raised in England. He was the son of a Quaker tradesman. He had not found a stable position in his home country, and he decided in middle age to migrate. He was introduced to Benjamin Franklin, who facilitated Paine's move to the Pennsylvania colony and employment as a newspaper editor. His essays in 1775 covered a range of topics and attracted a readership. In 1776, he published him pamphlet, Common Sense, calling for American independence and the rejection of old world monarchies and aristocracies. The pamphlet was a sensation and immediately made Paine one of the most famous men in the colony. Among his newspaper essays of 1775 was this what I'm about to read, denouncing slavery, particularly criticizing those who would try to use Christian scriptures to defend the institution. So here we go. That some desperate wretches should be willing to steal and enslave men by violence and murder for gain is rather lamentable than strange but that many civilized, nay, Christianized people should approve and be concerned in the savage practice is surprising and still persists, though it has so often proved contrary to the light of nature, to every principle of justice and humanity, and even good policy by a succession of eminent men and several late publications. Our traders and men, an unnatural commodity, must know the wickedness of that slave trade. If they attend to reasoning or the dictates of their own hearts, and such as shun and stifle those, all those willful sacrifice conscience and the character of integrity to that golden idol, such men may as well join with a known band of robbers, buy their ill-got goods, and help on the trade. Ignorance is no more playable, pleadable in one case than in another, and than in the other. Sorry, the sellers plainly own how they obtain them. 
but none can lawfully buy without evidence that they are not concurring with men stealers and as true owner has a right to reclaim his goods that was stolen and sold so the slave who is proper owner of his freedom has a right to reclaim it however often sold most shocking of all is alleging the sacred scriptures to favor this wicked practice. One would have thought none but infident cavaliers would endeavor to make them appear contrary to the plain dictates of natural light and conscience in a matter of common justice and humanity, which they cannot be. Such worthy men as referred to before judge other ways. Mr. Baxter declared the sea of traitors should be called devils rather than Christians, and that it is a heinous crime to buy them. But some say the practice was permitted to the Jews, to which may be replied, the example of the Jews in many things may not be imitated by us. They had not only orders to cut off several nations altogether, but if they were obligated, obliged to war with others and conquer them to cut off every male, they were suffered to use polygamy and divorces and other things utterly unlawful to us under clear light. The plea is in good measure false. They had no permission to catch and enslave people who never injured them. Such arguments ill become us since the time of reformation came on the gospel life. All distinctions of nations and privilege of one above others are ceased. Christians are taught to account all the all men their neighbors and love thy neighbors as themselves and do all men as they would be done by to do good to all men and man stealing is ranked with enormous crimes this barbarous enslaving our inoffensive neighbors and treating them like wild beasts subdued by force reconcilable with the divine precepts is this doing to them as we would desire to they should do to us if they could carry off and enslave some thousands of us would we think it just one would almost wish they could for once it might convince more than reason or the bible now this is just an excerpt from 1775 by thomas Paine. tonight we're talking about white not being the new black i see three-fifths is in the room how you doing brother Hey, sister, how you doing, Brother Manny? You know, I'm trying to figure out what we're doing here, three-fifths, because I, I'm confused. I feel like more and more white people are thinking they're black, you know, because I am saying, you started off by recounting Manny's and I conversation last night, and we were talking about a tale of two men, the Democrat, the conservative Democrat versus the Republican, and we reference what's happening here in New Haven with the New Haven mayoral campaign. And in talking all about that, we started talking about privilege and representation because what we're seeing more and more is our causes not necessarily being represented by us. What's your Well, you know, I, I, as I said before, I believe, like Malcolm said, Sango said, it's time for black and brown people to get their own political party, and we all have this problem. In fact, if you study uh, Pedro Abiso's camp books, there's a Puerto Rican uh, nationalist party, Ochua, uh, I forgot his name, Ochua, I think he was from Puerto Rico, but Abiso's, they started a, a Puerto Rican nationalist party, and it was very powerful in Puerto Rico. And right now, you know, we look at it, it's like, you know, we're, we're getting crumbs, but you see, the party is starting to actually turn. I'm glad you mentioned New Haven because I was telling you the other day, if you take a look, Negro power is done in New Haven. It's, it's done. Look at Ellica. Didn't have to have not one Negro minister, one Negro leader to stand up there with him. But he doesn't need them anymore. They're, they're cannon fodder. Straight up facts. Straight up facts. Like, we have, I have absolutely no idea what, what his campaign manager looks like. I couldn't tell you. Saw him. I told people, they said, man, who's this guy? He didn't even have to show up. 
Didn't even have to show up. Didn't even have to get dressed. Didn't even have to iron his shirt or her. We don't know. We don't know. We, we have no clue. We literally have no clue. Or Zell. He up here with Zell. <laughs> You're my boy. Just show up over here right quick. I'll Zell you something. That's how that conversation went. We have no clue what this person looks like, right? Absolutely no idea. He bat his eyelids and he's now the primary Democratic candidate, albeit conservative. Right. And you saw the lady stuff and stuff in the ballot box. Right. <laughs> yeah, an article came my way about them now wanting to investigate Ganem's ballots, right? So, you know, I mean, I, I, color me not surprised. I mean, how do you not see that coming, right? And this is why, like, for me, um, three-fifths, when I think about the fact that, okay, white people since the beginning of slavery have been allowed to control the narrative. They come with the new terms, the new labels, the definition. Where does that all leave ours? Where's our narrative? Where's our terms, our labels, our definitions? You know what I mean? And here we have, yes. This show right here is trying to get the message out. And the first thing they'll send is the gatekeepers, the bootlickers, you know, this is what they'll do. The coons, the sambos. Yes, the whole the whole nine, the whole family is going to come out, right? Because that's what they have to do. They have to. Like I, I've shared before, and you know about this, my own experience of being shoved out of a space that really and truly should be for black and brown people. But I got shoved out because the white person who came in, came in with the right, you know, the white narrative, the white words, everything, and was able to remove me from that space successfully by my own, right? So we have this emerging issue of conservatism, which you've also joined the conversation on, and also this Republican fellowship. And, you know, what I'm baffled by with all that black and brown people have endured just over the last, let's just say it, four years. I'll, I'll bank it to four years, right? How the fuck are y'all still finding it okay to say, all right, we got to get the white people to do it for us. Where, where am I missing it, three-fifths? That's the old guard. That's the old guard. You know, what is it, Bingo Unchained? That was, it's, it's, the, it's the old guard. Like, you know, a friend of mine told me the other day, it made sense. There's not even more liberals anymore. There's no more white people No. Anymore. I forgot the name he told me, but they're not, he said, he don't call them illiberals anymore. Right. Right. He almost used the term fascist. He almost used the term fascist. Well, yeah, because it's like it was cool to be liberal for a couple of years there. That was cool. That was the end thing to do. And then, you know, they kind of, they're phasing out. But what's concerning, and you're one of few that I know of who openly see it, is this increase in conservatism and this disbelief that, you know, conservatives are only Republicans. No, they're not. We have some high, high up conservative Democrats, and they're costing us as black and brown people our democracy. See, I, right? I give, I, give, I give the Republican Party a little bit of credit. There are no Judases among them. They'll put you out. The Democrats got the blue dogs. They got the yellow dogs. They got people like um, Fist and Cinema, and the other, what's the other one's name? Uh, Joe Manchin. Those, those, mm -hmm. those, are, those are really conservatives, the Dixiecrats, as Malcolm calls them. But they're low mm -hmm. and that's, that's the problem. You know, I, mm -hmm. I've been studying, not to go off track, I've been studying Bridgeport, and this gentrification is moving up the white people. No, well, that's not off track. That's all, part, that's all part of it. Let me tell you what happened. I don't know if you saw, I'll send it to you. The old Coke factory is now going to be market rate apartments. Think about it. The Winchester mm -hmm. market rate apartments. You're mm -hmm. going to wake up. Yeah, for real. And hamburgers and, and, and partying and doing the wobble and saying it's okay. You're not going to be here. Right. You're not going to be right. here. And, and, and I've heard Hartford, the people I've told that it's worse than you hate. They pop yes. Left and, right. and the mayor that yes. 
He's a pocket identifier. Yes. Well, that's it, you know, because as Manny and I were talking about this last night, you know, you're looking at what's going on right now, um, you know, and it's just, it's just so weird, right? Because it's like, okay, here you have this conservative Democrat, here you have this Republican, because Tom Goldenberg, one minute he decided he was Democrat, Next minute, he decides he's going with the Republicans. You'll have to know, if he's coming with the Republicans, the smear campaign is coming with him. And he didn't really miss a beat in terms of change in that outfit, right? And look at what happened the last time we had that happen, a.k.a. Donald Trump. Do we really want that to happen in New Haven? But is it even happening already? What do you think? I mean, just, I'm glad you mentioned Trump. He's a man not even in office. He got the whole Republican Party scared of him. So scared because he has a power base. He has that base behind him. The only way that Donald Trump will win, he's got to get the uh, the independent, unaffiliated vote. So it's going to it's going to go around. But you see, the Democrats take some blame too. <clears throat> Here you push on. You got people like Brother Manny that, that's old enough to vote. You give him an eighty-two year old man, <laughs> eighty-two years old. You pushed him. You know, it's a lot coming. That's why you know me. I told you, I rather work with the Mannies. That's who have to. Play. Well, we gotta get like. See, that's what I was saying last night, and I've said it before that, and I'll continue saying it. Right? We, my generation, older, we gotta get better at listening, and preparing. You know, passing the baton. Good job of that right now. We really aren't. You know. Um, instead, what we're doing is we're dissuading the young people from getting involved. If anything, we're making it harder for them to be interested, and that's dangerous. Because while we're sitting here gatekeeping our own version of democracy, these Republicans and cons Demo uh, conservative Democrats, they're making up their plan. They're making sure that, you know, they get themselves situated. And what are we really doing? What are we doing? Right? Instead, we have all these black and brown people coming out as Republican. Do you even understand what that means? Like, why are you so willing to give up your melanin? Right? White people are not the new black. Like, I, I don't understand how else to say that. You know, I feel like from what I've been seeing, and I don't know your opinion on this one, but from what I've been seeing with the marches for housing, you know, fair housing, um, decrease the price of gas, any type of cost of living, anything, workers' rights, it seems like lately we see certain platforms, if not most, being dominated by white people. I'm not saying that they're not houseless and without jobs and without other things, but where do and when do we get represented? Where and when? And why are we okay with that? That's the older guard, the younger guard, and the one of us, those of us that know the struggle. There's very few of us, you know, left, but we still know it. And, and like I said, what this podcast does is gets the message out. Because I have young people listening, so I can't be only too many. You can't call a couple. Well, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Like I, I've been saying it more recently on purpose, because you know this this way that some folks are misusing the term grassroots you know that's really pissed me off right i mean you can't just to me like grassroots is the new woke white person term that's what it sounds like it's 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 the new woke white person term for me to be woke and you know present i will be grassroots do they even really know what that means how would you define grassroots when you had that power show in margaret garvey Bobby called it black nationalism, and Carlos Cooks, a black Dominican who worked under Garvey, people forget Carlos Cooks, call it brown nationalism. He called us a black nationalism, but he said we must have our brown brothers and sisters in also and stuff. But, you know, like I said, the, the young people are waking up, though. They're, the ones I've talked to, they, they're like Manny. They're, they're seeing what's going on. They're working. They're, they're making noise and stuff. I'm taking over the organization up here because we're gonna get some things going. So and that's how it started. Remember the movement started with young people. It did. I was just about to say that. How would you but how would you for those who don't know the term, 
In your words, how would you define grassroots, 350? Well, different groups have different means of grassroots. To me, gra gra grassroots people are the ones that are in the street, not in the ivory towers. They're in the street. They're working in the street. They're working uh, to, 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 um, uh, uh, to um, push those out who are not working in, in, in the street. They don't have it. That's grassroots people. You know, and most grassroots people come from the hoods in the El Barrio. That's where they come from. Remember that? Young Lords came out of the El Barrio. Cha-Cha Gemini. So it, it, it's, it's, to me, grassroots people are the ones. This is a grassroots thing here, matter of fact. Right here, it's party. We're getting the message out. You know? I told you the other day, I, I, I looked at, uh, I looked at, uh, I looked at the, um, Independent, and I saw well they had the coverage, and and I, and I and I and I put I put down um, well wow where's no one from the left? They should have had you on the panel. They should have had Manny on the panel. We're giving an analysis of, of the mayor's race, but it's the same old like. I said. Well, they're not gonna do that. And here's my thing, right? I'm glad you mentioned that because they do these things and they claim it's community based and they call it grassroots. I see Manny just joined us. Manny, how you doing? We're talking about white not being the new black because coming off of the conversation you and I had yesterday where essentially we were talking about the conservative Democrat versus the Republican, a.k.a. Dusty Delacour versus Tom Goldenberg and the impact that's having. Now, one of the things I, I left our conversation thinking about, in my opinion, a lot of white people are using the term grassroots as a mask. It seems to be the new woke term how you feel about that and how would you define in fact start off by saying how you would define grassroots hello i think he's having audio issues i see him on the call but i can't hear him manny we'll get back to you or unmute when you can because we can see you but we do not hear and would love to hear you but you know Three, first, going back to what you're talking about, you know, here's the thing. I get irate with certain terms. I really do. Like, I, maybe I spent too, I, I don't know, maybe I need to replace my energy. I don't friggin' know. But terms like minority piss me off, and terms like grassroots when it's misused get me aggravated. I won't say it necessarily piss me off, it gets me aggravated. That term minority pisses me off because we are not the minority. We are, in fact, the majority. And I feel like one of the biggest way we could challenge a narrative and really push for change is to do a nationwide push for certain terms to be redefined. Why can't we do that? What's the problem with doing that? You know what, first of all, the term grassroots actually came from the growth of the grass. I forgot, I forgot the word, it was a sister professor. She broke it down. It's like when you plant the seeds, put the grass seeds down, and the roots start coming up. That's the grassroots the beginning. That's why you had grassroots organizations during the 60s. See, we had the blueprints of the 60s. We be a moving train. But again, those of us that, that, that were out there, there's an old saying that they had in the movement say. Back then and there, we had conscience but no money. Now we got money and no conscience. Oh, 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 you, you come in to fight. <laughs> you, <laughs> it's crazy you say that because last night I mentioned, right, one of the things that irks me is when people make little loose terms, especially our own people, about why people, black and brown people don't participate. Access to voting is a huge, huge problem. But we don't talk that much, much that part up as much as we say people just don't like to vote. We should not be talking to each other like that. And we should also remember Fannie Mae and them, that whole set, Shirley Chisholm, that was, the people were in community, like you're saying, they spoke to each other, right? They didn't have money. Correct. Correct. But someone said to me, they, they asked me, you know, CJ, how do you get, you know, I hear you talking about voting, but how do we get people out there we tell them this we tell them that but are we really telling them stuff because i feel like it seems to be the status quo that until we get the white people to endorse it we don't you're right it, it, it's but again 
Dawson, who who comes forward to push him? Those that look like me and you. Right. Right. Manny, let's do a sound test. Let's do a quick sound test for Manny um, three-fifths. Can you hear us? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? There, there. Yes. All right, real quick. Now that you're on, I want you to do us a favor as a younger soul. How would you define grassroots? Let's start. Oh, yeah. Um, apologies for the, the, the slight <laughs> delay. No, 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 uh, no, Manny, of... Manny. What really had happened was, <laughs> let me tell everybody what had happened. What had happened was this guy has entrance music, right? We didn't cue the music. <laughs> Three-fifths, he didn't cue the music, man. What the hell is wrong with you? I'm sorry, Manny. Proceed. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coming out of a city meeting, you know, uh, a couple people were there. Got my nerves a little bit, but, you know. I'm here now, so <laughs> that's what matters. But grassroots, okay. Um, so I now, okay, all right, because because this this is a thing that in and of itself, um, usually I hear the definition, and and, and it's iffy to me. How how grassroots uh, so like a grassroots organization for example would be defined as an organization um, usually started um, in this phrase right by the people for the people are maintained you know solely <laughs> by the people right and they usually exclude any type of um, you know private entities corporate entities main political entities right just those type of uh, uh, groups of people, right? And so they're usually maintained and built um, by either community residents, right, neighbors, um, uh, people who just want to see change in their city or, or on a larger scale, whatever have you, right? Um, hence, you know, grassroots, right? It's, it's usually coming from individuals who... Um, right, they, they don't have any affiliation to those bigger entities, right? They just came together. They said, hey, this is what we want to do. Came up with a couple other neighbors, right? A couple other community residents. And they said, okay, now we have a band <laughs> together. Um, and thus is born the grassroots organization, right? Um, but, 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 but here's the thing with that. It no longer is a grassroots organization when you start to incorporate those entities. And that, that is what I, I always have a problem with because you have organizations that call themselves grassroots, right? And okay, maybe at one point you were grassroots, maybe at the very beginning, the very founding of it. Sure. All right. But when you start to see the dealings and, and the members and how they do things, right, in that organization, there is almost nothing grassroots about it, right? And so I, and that, that's why I have a problem with so many of these organizations calling themselves grassroots because it starts to blur the lines and, and murky the waters when talking about what is grassroots, right? What makes an organization grassroots? So I love that you guys brought that up because that's actually something very, very important. It is. It is a big thing. And I'm glad that you offered that definition. Three-fifths had a great one, very much the same as what you just said. Now, what I'm finding is, in my opinion, from what I've discussed with others and just stuff I'm reading, it seems to be the new mask for white people. It's like the new woke term. Right. Like now it used to be woke was the woke term. Now grassroots is the, the woke term. How you feel about that? My thought. Absolutely. Wow. That was that was a great. That was a great comparison. Um, yeah. No, it's it, like again, like I said, right. You have these organizations who they want to be seen as for the people, by the people. Right. Maintained with the people. You know, all this uh these concepts that, you know, by nature, they're good, right? They're, they're things that people would rally behind, right? An organization that's comprised of community members and all that great stuff. 
are doing great things for the community. So people rally behind that, right? And that's when you start to see these different entities, right? Corporate, political, et cetera, et cetera. And they join these grassroots organizations, take it over, right? We'll talk about that. Um, and suddenly they're in the end now, right? Because, oh, yeah, I'm part of a grassroots organization. Oh, yeah, I am doing such and such work with a grassroots organization. And you hear that and you're like, wow, that's amazing for you, right? Oh, my gosh, you're so noble. And, and you know, I, that's so great that you're supporting a grassroots organization, right? And, again, that was this very same rhetoric and reactions to when everyone wanted to be woke, right? Oh, I'm doing this and this and this. I'm woke. Oh, well, great for you, right? Like, uh, that's amazing that you're woke. I, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's the new trend now, right? To be supporting grassroots organizations, to be part of grassroots organizations. But no, like, <laughs> it's not some fad, you know, to just incorporate yourself in. But that's what they're doing. You're absolutely right, Susan. I love that definition right there because that's what I'm seeing right like and that's what three-fifths and i was just talking about because it seems to be the new thing right now people follow the thought process here this makes sense because remember columbus came first of all the only thing columbus discovered is he was lost don't get confused right that's the only thing he discovered if you think about it from that perspective you know pretty much from what our friend Manny just said, that's basically what's happening. We have these white people showing up in our spaces claiming to be grassroots, you know, and here's here's another thing that he pointed out that I'm glad the funding piece, right? Yes, you do need to get funding for your organization. But then when you get the government at your decision making table, right, and how do they end up being there when you start taking their money? It's one thing, as three fifths just pointed out, if you're having a panel, we're reviewing candidates for election and you bring in the left. Or even if you're having a committee discussing, you know, healthcare or housing and you bring in the left. That's not that's not the same comparison. Grassroots and funding go together. That's the difference, right? How you receive your funding and support, right? When you get that government piece in there, you're no longer grassroots because now you gotta fall into line. Whether you drank that Kool-Aid or not is up to you, right? What we need to realize is the historical importance of us owning that term. Your ancestors died on the basis of being grassroots. They were the first grassroots organizer. Tell me I'm lying, three-fifths. Yeah, no, I'm going to say that. In fact, when you go into the history of Kool-Aid, it starts with the grassroots. It starts, it starts with the grassroots, the Mau Mau. If you, if you look at, like you said, Nat Turner started the grassroots. Yes. And the thing with Malcolm, uh, uh, Nat Turner was good about it, he was a Christian minister. Now there's these other ministers running around. But he used that book. He found scriptures in there that would liberate our, liberate our people. But you and I know if you saw that movie, there's a little baby Sambo that, that sold him out. Just like Denmark Vesey. Grassroots movements. But today, let's focus to the 21st century. We don't have that anymore. Because they got these bumpers, like you said, that's going to come in and stop you. Well, you know, I can get you a job and, you know, you know, you know man, you know, you're young, man, you put your tuition to your college, you'll be fine. That's what they do. Some people take the channel, some don't. Some don't. That's it. That's it right there. You know what I mean? Like Manny and I spoke about the fact, you know, comparing what's happening right now um, in New Haven, that New Haven election, this is not just a city problem. This is a nationwide issue. I mean, while watching Donald Trump run around free and knowing that we have brothers and sisters who committed way lesser offenses and they're serving their lives, that's just heinous on its own. Right. But then also the fact that historically we already saw what happens when someone flips that affiliation. Can you really say they're going to represent you properly? I mean, I don't think so. I think they're going to go over to that agenda and everything that goes with it. What do you think?
Look, you ever notice, look at the older guards. They were probably in the 60s, but some of them were tough. And look at them now, they, they got government jobs. You know, they won't say nothing. I was talking to a friend of mine when the, the students at Howard were protesting the conditions at Howard University. You had mice running around, rats and stuff. Something happened, they had alumni. The alumni, out of, out of uh, seven alumni, three of the alumni went over there and asked them what happened and joined. The other one just went in the building. But yet those, those that went in that building, they knew what was going on. Like I said, back then and there, we had conscience and no money. Now we got money and no conscience. That's a heavy line. You must have been a DJ. That's some serious heavy lines you drop in there. Now, Manny, you don't, you don't get excused from this conversation. Come back over here. What I want to know from you, right, I need you to educate us. Put us in school for a second. <laughs> you tried to run. This man tried to run just like Nat Turner. No, no, run back this way. Um, <laughs> what I would like to know, if we continue on this trajectory, and you've mentioned this before, if things go as they're going and we continue to let these white saviors toxify, misrepresent our platforms and take and replace us, what do you think or what do you see happening and what will be left for you and those? Oh, I know you're going to bring it back to the conversation. You didn't tell me you were going <laughs> to, you're going to leave me with such a heavy question. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big question. Um, so, <sighs> Right. I, you're right. I mentioned, you know, prior that we really have to continue. We have to not continue. We have to start because <laughs> we don't do it enough. We have to start as the marginalized population, right? Um, begin to support each other, right? And, and put each other in those positions, right? Political positions, corporate positions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, because if we keep allowing, right, and just being complacent, really, we're just complacent, right, with the fact that these positions of power, right, um, are being held and sustained and, and retained um, by, let's just face it, the Caucasian population of, of, of the country, right, uh, you look at Congress, you, you look at local government, state government, you have far more Caucasian people in those seats, right? And so what happens is, you know, again, with the whole complacency thing, right? Um, as generation and generation goes on that we just deem that to be the normal, right? That's what fosters that consensus amongst the marginalized people, right? That we somehow and for some reason don't belong in those seats, right? That you can't be in that, that position. You can't be in that field. And it's like, no, the only reason you think that is because we haven't been putting each other into those fields, right? And when, and... And not only that, and when we do, when one of us tries to, right? Yeah, we already face attacks by the, you know, Caucasian people themselves. But we end up getting attacked by each other, right? We, we bring each other down. And again, so then, right, so then what happens, right? What happens is the cycle keeps continuing. Right. We keep complaining that nothing's ever happening. Right. Uh, we complain that we don't have enough representation. Right. In, in those fields and the seats of power. Right. We make all these complaints and we have all these problems. But it's only because we keep sustaining or we keep helping the Caucasian people sustain and retain those seats of power because we do not support each other enough to put each other to the forefront and put each other, right, motivate each other, support each other to get into those seats of power. You know, black folk were told that the 
court cases, man, ice is cold. <laughs> and that's why they go there. Because ice is cold. <laughs> I see. I mean, look at, look at, look at, Chris, look at Chris Murphy and Blumenthal. You ever see the press conference? Them Negroes are jumping up and down just to break their neck. And Rosa Deloro. Don't forget Rosa Deloro. We love a Rosa Deloro for whatever reason. But like he said, we don't we don't love ourselves. So what I'm hearing from him, the younger soul, is that we really need to do a better job of supporting each other. Right? It sounds kind of dangerous there, three fifths. Well, it know, sounds like said it well. He said you start to believe. And right now yes. we are the believers. And yes. Right. Right. Oh, we know that. We know that. That's a young leader. That's why we need to hear him. That's why he and those like him have to have a place. Right. And this is what people need to understand. We need to be, you know, um, humble enough to hear these young people, right? Humility is a hell of a thing, right? They're telling us what's wrong. They're inheriting our bullshit, all right? That's what's really happening. So while y'all sit there and clutch your little pearls and, and, you know, think that what you're doing is harmless, please do not mistake it. If we don't get involved now, it's going to be a shitstorm. engagement where they get the fees, you'll see leadership up here that's supposed to be on the streets organizing. They're charging $40,000 to come speak to college students. King died broke. Malcolm died broke. A. Philip Randolph died broke. But yet these these, these people are charging. I, I, I Sometimes I, I check the speaker's guest list. Certain one, 30000 I come on your show. And that's what it is. Like I said, now they got the money. They got the money. King took his mobile peace prize money and bailed people out of jail. He didn't keep it for himself. He bailed them out of jail. Well, this is it. I mean, look at our HBCUs and our Hispanic institutions. These places are not in the lap of luxury. We don't even get to go to schools that look presentable. All our schools look like jails, even in college. What the fuck? Like, for real. Some of the HBCUs charge almost as much as yours. Correct. I know because I had friends of my children, luckily their parents got money. You know, yes. Able to put bonds and stuff together. I said, right. It's a almost like almost like up there with Yale. Yes. 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 And it's losing its appeal, you know, because, you know, these young folks, as, as Manny shared, you know, they do talk about this stuff. And I think that's where our folks need to do a better job of acknowledging their presence and not only that, but their knowledge and vice versa. We need more young people who are willing to be like Manny. And if you don't know, ask a question. If you do know, share the information. Right. You're seeing the bullshit happening. Let's talk about it and fix it. Stop supporting nonsense. People forget the story of Emmett Till. Right. Now, I'm going to share my lived experience because it's mine. Why not? Wherein someone with privilege, a white person, used their gender identity and was able to shove me out of a space and successfully so. And I look at that situation and I think about Emmett Till granted. Granted, don't come for me. I'm still alive. That's not the point I was trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is look at what happened with Emmett Till. Emmett Till was murdered maliciously for being in his skin. Wrong place, wrong time. That was it. This person comes into a space where I should be safe because it's allegedly amongst my own. And yet they were able to use their skin and their gender identity to shove me out. So if y'all think that this is not really fooling yourself, they're shoving us out of our own spaces. With the number of houseless black and brown people right now, we should be having days of protesting. We should not wait till the white people get mad about it. With the number of black and brown children, young adults, right, who are not getting properly educated, 
We should be storming the classrooms. We should be storming those Zoom meetings. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we doing it, three-fifths? Why aren't people? Again, no more conscience. It's zero. And that's, that's what it is. You know, I get, your, I get your job. You know, I get you this. You know, I give you a job. Just, just stay back. Don't do anything. You know, Ms. Ironic, you said you brought up Shirley Chisholm. Guess where Shirley Chisholm's office is? You know? Hello? Say again? You went out there. Yes. I remember since you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. You talked about Shirley Chisholm. Guess where Shirley Chisholm's office? Just <sighs> <laughs> Once she died, she got people in Waterbury. She has Shirley Chisholm's office. Right. <laughs> right. A congressional aide told me, said, I said, what? And they're like, what? How did she get that? That's a hell of a thing, because if we really look at, you know, the history of some of these positions, I mean, a lot of people didn't even know that right across from New Haven City Hall is where a stake was placed for one of the indigenous people who was murdered. His name was now Paul Puck, and he was killed for attempting to reclaim his land, which he was not wrong for. But when you think about the times that back then, right? They beheaded that man and made him an example. And the white people of New Haven would just walk around and, and be like, oh my God. Oh, wow. Look at that. Wow. Oh, sister, you forgot one thing. What else is that city hall? Amistad. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. And people, are they thinking of that? I, I don't think they're thinking of any of that. Manny, what do you think about what we just said? I'm, I'm curious. No, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've done even uh, educated long-time New Haveners about certain things that happened here in New Haven. Um, and they look at me. I get two reactions. They look at me, right, and uh, astonishment, like, well, can't believe that really happened. Thank you for letting me know. Or two, they look at me like I'm absolutely making it up and, <laughs> you know, how in the world would such a thing ever happen in New Haven, right? Um, but no, you're right. And and so a lot of things have happened, right? Um, I, I, I'm familiar with the Native American um incident and and yeah i mean i the way i see it is you i can tie it easily to things that happen here in new haven today right yeah what i mean we don't have anyone's head on a on a stake right and downtown green thankfully because that'd be quite a problem right but the equivalent to you know uh such outrageous um things is um, you know, you can see a person of color get absolutely, um, I, I'm trying to put this in the nicest way possible, <laughs> um, just treated wrongly. We'll, we'll put it like that. I don't want to get too graphic, but treated wrongly, right? And, and beat up and brutalized um, by police officers or just by a group of fair-skinned people, right? Um, and people will walk right by, wouldn't even bat an eye, right? Or or they'll stay there, and now in the age of technology, they record, but still just walk on by, right? Save it, save the video on their camera roll and go and show it to their friends, right? Um it happens. It really, really happens here in New Haven. It's a hell of a thing. I mean, one has to wonder again, like how much has to happen before people realize it's very important for us to, you know, hold on to our identity. Don't just get mad about it when the white people get up and stand up. You should be standing first and they should be standing behind you. Right. Especially now, especially knowing that the people who have been and continue to 
experience the most hardship before, during, and after COVID are in fact black and brown people, right? And if these white people give a shit enough and say that, oh yeah, this, this yeah, you're right, we're all about equity, because they drop these words, these lovely terms, right? Because they control everything. They define the narrative, they define the terms, they even go and tell you what the action should look like, right? So when do we own our own identity and what do we have to do to do that? That's the question on the table. Whoever wants to. Well, like I said, we have to get our identity. We have to start with the believing. That, that's the growth right there. And then we take it from there and, and we start bringing more people in. That, that's, that's what you have to do. Right? You have to, uh, because I'm not saying a lot of people of the 60s have taken the paycheck. A lot of them have. Some of them are mad at, like we, we are here. We see it. But a lot of them have. And a couple of them I know and they're like, did mine and went up against the system, but yeah, but don't mean you give it up. You know, you, you take it to the grave. You know, but again, like you said, it starts with to me. It starts with with the believing. That's how. And and from what I've studied, it start. That's how everything started with those that believe. Whether it was uh, slave uprisings, whether it was like to shut down a, a, a mega landlord or whatever, it started. It started. I tell you, I, I had a. I was living in New York, I had an apartment. And it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, how people are. We weren't getting heat and hot water. I had a Muslim brother, the Christian brother. They're arguing ideology. I'm saying, listen, we ain't getting no hot water. We, you know, put that aside. Later on, we won. I said, now nah, y'all can do what you want to do. You can keep arguing about, you know, what, whatever your faith is. But that's what I, our people, you know, they, they're not. But I blame, like I said before, the tokens that are put up, the sambos. But trust me, a day is coming. Especially in New Haven. Manny sees it. You see it. I see it. But I keep focusing on Erica. That guy's power. He's like a second coming of John DeStefano. You watch. You watch. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. I really, really believe that. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Because again, here's a conservative Democrat. And he's standing in a high space. And what they do is, is that... They're like little classroom bullies. When they don't like you no more, they try to get rid of you. Trust me. Okay. I've seen them in action, right? I know of and firsthand and secondhand, right? And we have to get privy to these things. Don't just say, well, who else do I vote for? Figure it out. We got to figure it out. Manny, do you have any thoughts you want to share? Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree um, with what Ed, Ed said. Um, and you're right. It, it starts with the individuals who have the courage to dare to step outside the zone, right? Um, that's that's really what it it, <laughs> it starts with. There are people, right, who have popped up from time to time in different eras, right who see the problems, right? They they know what it is. And on any day, <laughs> you know, that they all say it was just that one day, right? That they sat there and it was then that they decided that enough was enough. And they were going to dare to have the courage to step outside the boundaries and the limits. Right. Um, and in doing that, as you've seen time and time again, they inspire others. Right. They inspire others because if he can do it, if she can do it, if they can do it, then so can I. Right. That, that's, that's been the lesson. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Right. But again, I, I absolutely agree. It starts with those people, right, those individuals who stand there and they say, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to have the courage to go against the status quo, to go outside the boundaries, right, to face the challenge up front. It does. It, it really, really does start with them. You're absolutely right. I mean, and this is why, as Three Fifths said before, 
it's so important to have, you know, folks like you engage your generation because we're getting older. I, I don't know about everybody else, but we do age. I've already said to you, you want to know how old I am? Last supper, back left. You know, the point being that we got to plan it forward, people. Right. And if we continue on this trajectory where we bestow our power into the white hands, right, what do you really think is going to happen? We cannot continue in this direction. Direction. We just can't. We just can't. You know, you know, before we close out, three fifths, any final. Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I just have one, you know, my one thought. Keep doing what you're doing, Manny. <laughs> that's all I say, because like I said, the power belongs in his his group. That's, that's what I say. That's, that's always my final thought. When I see young people engaged like this, brother, that's, 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 that's not even the think tank. He done, they done left the think tank. They get ready to do the work. I love that, because it's so true. It is so true. He has to, and this is why I say, y'all see Manny here. He's not the only one, but when we see him, let's protect him. Let's support them. Let's encourage them. They need us just like we need them. And we need to be humble enough to empower them, right? They want our help, okay? They, as he shared last night, they do sit and discuss probably more than you give them credit for these young folks are not blind. They may not know all the terms. They may not know certain things, but that doesn't mean that they don't talk about it. So why don't we do a better job of meeting them where they at, right? I like to share that this podcast, we don't practice anything. It's not like we have a team meeting and say, hey, we're going to talk about this, you know, and this is done purposely because we want the real voice of the real people, no harm, no fault. We may not always agree, but that doesn't mean, you know, we won't come up with great solutions and ideas. Manny, before we sign off for tonight, any? Yes, um, I want to thank you for allowing me on here. And um, three-fifths, I am humbled, 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 and mostly, uh, above all, just honored to have such words of, of uh, extreme, extreme positivity. So thank you so much for that. It really, it means more than any of you will ever know. Um, so yes, uh, my final. That's right. That's right. That's right. Three thank friends. You. Tell them. Tell them. <laughs> I, I really do. I appreciate it. Um, and so my message um, is a message I, I try to maintain constantly. It's, as we've agreed here today, you know, uh, many of the movements have allowed for us as a people uh, to move forward in a beneficial and positive way uh, in this world and society as a whole. has often started from those who dare to have the courage to go against the status quo, to face the opposition, face first, front, you know, full, full intention and full force, right, unapologetically themselves. Um, but in doing so, always, always remember that even they themselves wouldn't have been successful if not for the support of so many behind them, right, for the ones who weren't on the front lines, for the ones who did things behind the scenes, right, who supported from a distance. Even those, right, those individuals mean just as much as the one who dared to step outside the boundaries and the limits that were placed on us. Um, so, you know, you may not be the one who's on the front line, right, and, and uh, speaking in front of the masses, Right, you might be the one who is planning and the building and the room, right, and doing the meetings, but that does not, in any way, shape, or form, on any level, take away from the effect that you can have in making tomorrow that much better for us, for the ones who are not here, for the world itself. So I thank you all. You know, you'll find me. I'll always be on the front line. 
uh, but any support uh, and any way that you can help uh, bring us to that better world. Trust me, trust me. It all means the same. This guy right here, man. I mean, spoken like a true leader. This is what we're talking about, people, right? This is why we need to, you know, support, empower, and encourage Manny and those like Manny. We don't know everything. I don't know if you knew that, right? And just because we may not have the same opinion does not mean we wouldn't come up with a great idea. If not, that's when the best solutions are formed. I hope that tonight it got you to thinking because white is not the new black. We come up here and yes, certain topics come up repeatedly because that's how much it's happening. We're not bored. We're not confused. We're unpacking it because we want to see tomorrow be better. And part of that is where the old meets the new, the young meet the old, and we have this conversation. You got to remember Think about Emmett Till. Think about Fannie Mae. Think about Nat Turner. Those are some big names dropped tonight. Go do some reading on them. And when you read, look for pictures. Look at who was around them. Emmett Till's body was not just surrounded by people his age. His mother, her relatives, her, you know, relatives, young, old, Nat Turner. He didn't just help people his age, right, younger older, Fannie Mae, she didn't just reach out to the women and the people her age. Do you see the picture I'm painting here? They know what happens when we come together. So best believe they're putting an effort into keeping us apart. And if you didn't think so, now you know, right? We're going to be back again soon. And until then, we can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for continuing to like, share, and subscribe. We truly, truly Truly appreciate your solidarity. We hope that you're having a great evening. And once again, from us to you, all the best. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on, CJ.